We enjoy talking about policy and dreaming about pound cake. And we know you enjoy it too. So visit policyandpoundcake.com and support us today. Hi, I'm Deanie Bass Wilbon. And I'm Dina Bass Williams. And we are the, the Bass, Bass Sisters. So Dina, let's talk about these poll numbers. Vice President Harris and President Biden's poll numbers. How do you think they are? Well, it's not how I think they are. It's how I know they are. The polls show that they are in the tank. They are. Let's watch this real quick clip. Brand new poll, and it's brutal for President Biden. His approval rating has hit a new low. Only 41% of Americans think he's doing a good job in office. 53% disapprove. 70% believe the economy is in bad shape. And with inflation at a three-decade high, only 39% approve of Biden's handling of the economy. Looking ahead to the midterm elections, Republicans have a 10-point lead among registered voters, their largest lead ever in the 40-year history of our poll. Now, Dina, those were just Biden's numbers. Mm -hmm. Vice President Harris's numbers are not much better. Her numbers are actually a lot lower than his numbers, right? They are lower than his numbers. She is not doing well in the approvable polls. She's not. So, but I, 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 I was talking to you about this earlier, those chucks and pearls, where they now, uh, during her inauguration, that's all you could talk about were chucks and pearls. And so for those who are not familiar with the chucks and pearls, I think she wore a pair of Chuck Taylors when she was on the campaign trail and everyone thought it that became it was a phenomena. It did. It absolutely did. But yeah, so her poll numbers are down. Where the you know where are her champions, the people, the Chucks and Pearl wears? Where are they now? Um, they are a little silent. There are some people who are defending her. We've seen um, conversations or articles and commentary about the dysfunction between the president and the vice president. But we all know that typically that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon. Right. We do see tension in that area. But the the thing that makes this tension so unique or so interesting, I suppose, is that it's kind of um, casting a doubt on what will happen to the Democratic ticket in 2024. Two, two big questions. Will Vice President Harris run? And yes. Will she be on the ticket if President Biden runs? I think President Biden will run. I don't think he's going to run. I think he will run. And I think that she will be on the ticket. It's funny to me, though, that she, even that, she that, that she even made the ticket this time around, to be honest, mm -hmm. because she wasn't really polling that well. You know, no, she wasn't. She had to. She bowed out before uh, California, before California, she, which uh, is her home state. Yeah. So she couldn't she didn't want to have the embarrassment of California. But the question is, this is the big question for us. Did the Democrats once again use black women to win and now are kind of giving black women the Heisman. The Heisman. Yes. We think that they are. <laughs> we think they are. <laughs> so but, there's that. Okay. We got some big things on the calendar. We want to talk about that really quickly. Too. December 1, check it out. Yes. Concerned Women for America. They will be on the steps of the Supreme Court. We will we'll be, be there, there with, with them. them. Yes, we will. Praying. Um, there's some important conversations, decisions about Roe versus Wade. We believe that life begins at conception. We do. We are... Um, a huge champions of protecting life in the womb. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be there praying peacefully. Um, if you are not able to make it to DC to be there, you can, I'm sure they will have it live streamed. Yep. 
Absolutely. So you can do it um, if you're not in the D.C. area, um, but you can definitely still participate. So that will be on December the 1st. Right. So mark your calendars. Mark your calendars and visit their website. Cons you know, get smart about the decisions that are being um, considered and made. Uh, right. One thing is clear. We have been talking the talk about defending life and, you know, the Roe v. Wade kind of conversations for decades now. And we're we're in striking distance mm -hmm. of actually protecting life, you know, giving states the right to protect life. life. And so either we are going to be about it or we're just going to talk about it. Exactly. You know, we can't have politicians using this as red meat to get to get a vote, to get votes and to get conservatives like us out. If we're not willing to really like, do we believe in life? And that means that we have to believe. We have to believe it and show up. And show up. So definitely. So, so hope that you come out and support that. It's going to be cold. 1st. We don't do marches in the we cold. Do we do not do marches in the, in the cold. cold. So this is so important. We're going to bundle up and go out there with our good friend Penny Young Nance and the wonderful women of Concerned Women for America. So please join us. But there's also something else that is happening in December. December 15th. 15th. We are yes, so excited. Yes, we're so excited. Oh, I'm Can you believe it? I'm so, I can't believe it. You know what? I, I can't believe it because we serve an amazing God. We serve so I can't believe God. it. So I can't believe it. And so what is it, Didi? December 15th. For how many? Oh, probably about 10 years. We've been working on it. Working on it. Right. But we the are title has changed a million times. The title has changed a million times, but it is finally set. Prayer and Pound Cake will be released December 15th. So please continue to pray with us. Continue to follow us on social media. Continue to um, like, follow, share. Yes, and tell everyone else that you know to like, follow, share. And go to prayerandpoundcake.com. Yeah. Um, submit your email address. You'll be able to read the first chapter, the first lesson. Yes. Um, and, uh, and then you'll get, then you'll get updates on when the book, you know, the release events, the book tour exactly. events, you'll be on our list to get that information. And so this book really is about being in business for 15 years. Yes. As sisters, family businesses usually cl close they two do. to three years. And people ask us often, we're not going to tell you what's in the book, but ask us often, sisters work together. See each other all the time, talk all the time. How do you guys do it? We have figured out how to make it work yes. through the grace of, of God. Of God. So. And we're excited to share the strategies, the lessons. There are some things that we talk about that we have not mastered. No. <laughs> you know, but we know we need to master. Exactly. So, so mark your calendars for December 15th. Stay tuned. Listen out. Support us. Pray, pray with us. And, um, and we just appreciate you. Yeah. No, that's so. great. So now we are excited to um, have a conversation. We um, this is the first candidate that we've ever talked to. And he so is. he um, let's jump to it. Let's jump to it. We are so excited to be doing another episode of Policy and Pound Cake. And today we have a wonderful guest that we are looking forward to chatting up a bit. Uh, we have Jonathan Houlihan with us today from texas the from great the, state of texas the great state of texas don't mess with texas don't mess with texas <laughs> and right, texas. so excited to have you it's great to be here thank you so much i really appreciate the opportunity oh no 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 well listen dean and i we're, we're georgia girls we we love texas 
And, and we have so many listeners in Texas. And so we would just tell our listeners in Texas and others in the in what, Congressional District 8, tell them a little bit about yourself. So I, uh, I'm a Navy veteran. I'm an Iraq and Afghanistan war veteran. I uh, Navy JAG for your listeners. If, if, folks, if you don't know what that is, it was a uniformed attorney. Um, like, you you know, few good men, you can't handle the truth, that kind of thing, Tom Chris. <laughs> So, you know, I joined the Navy JAG Corps when the recruiter came around and, and they said, hey, you'd be a great fit, you'd be a great JAG. So I applied and um, went went to law school, became the JAG, a JAG for 14 years. Really bothered me what I saw going on in our country, bothered me seeing kind of the rule of law slipping away, the disproportionate um, kind of justice system in a lot of ways where it was selective prosecutions and and it really bothered me to see the justice system kind of fall to what it's what, what's happened to it. So I decided to run for Congress. Uh, I decided to to do something about it. Take my experience as a lawyer, as a as a naval officer, and uh, and try and, and and try and do better. Try and do my part. Try and serve the Constitution. Try and serve the people. That's wow. awesome. That well, we awesome. truly say thank you for your service, and we know that that's like the thing to say now, but we really, really mean it. Right. Thank you so much for your service. And we say that if we were brave, we would have done what you did too. Exactly. <laughs> I say all the time, if I was, if I was so brave, I could have been the best whatever whatever and, you know but, and we think that the you know the men and women who suit up wear our country's colors are truly the greatest American heroes. And yeah, you know, we don't say that lightly. We we really, really do um and you mentioned um, a few good men that movie when they talk and they they talk about you know standing on that front line and that when I hear that and, and think about that it gives me chills because they're really men and women standing on that front line protecting everything that my family that we hold dear right. you know what I mean and so seriously yeah. it, from it, it, part, it, thank you it's so true you know there's 18 year olds right now somewhere yeah. in the world away from their family. You know, a year ago they were in high school. Now they're holding a gun, standing in post in some of the most dangerous parts in the world, 18 years old, Absolutely. you know, and their friends, some of their friends are off at college or wherever doing whatever. And these, mm -hmm. some of these kids have the most responsibility that you could ever imagine. And we should be proud of them every single day that they're out there for us. And praying for them and their families mm -hmm. every single day. So right. And we, you know, we're we're wearing merch. Didi's wearing a shirt that says "Bless." I'm wearing my capitalism T-shirt. And we we realize that our ability to pray to our God yep. and to go into the marketplace and sell our product is is because of these those, eighteen year old men and women mm -hmm. who who do this um, every day every and day. and and do it with an open heart, wanting to do it. You know what right. I mean? With the yeah. desire to do it. So so we're getting off track. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Also throwing your hat in the ring and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to make a change. I want to do some things differently. And so when you say that, um, there have been men and women in Washington, DC for years, for decades, decades um, who have talked about making things better, who have talked about, you know, this immigration problem that we have. And, but honestly, no one has had the, Dina calls it the fire in the belly to actually do something to put action to a lot of the words that they tell us. So can you share with our listeners, what is your comprehensive plan for immigration? Well, look, the immigration and nationalization code uh, was written in 1965. There's been a few revisions from it. That's, in, that's codified in Title VIII, uh, USC Title VIII. 
There's been a few revisions, but there hasn't been substantial reform in a long time. And the reason we're seeing some of these problems at the border is because there hasn't been reform. So the first thing we need to do is secure the border, period. We need to secure the border. We need a wall. We need increased law enforcement on the border. Because if you don't have a border, you, you don't have a sovereign nation. So that's step one, secure the border. You have to, there are a lot of people here that um, have been here a long time. Every day, thousands of people pour over the border that are illegal aliens. And that's just a fact. They either need to, they need to be penalized in some manner for, for coming across the border. They need to be, pay a remittance. They need to pay a tax, a penalty. In a lot of cases, they need to be deported. And that's just, that's just how it is. You cannot break the law in this country and you cannot put the citizen, the non-citizen above the rights of the citizen. Why, why should our tax dollars and our economy fund illegal aliens? It just, it may not be politically correct, but that's just the answer. We have, we are a nation of laws and we have to put the citizen above the non-citizen. So part of that reform would be to penalize, deport, send folks back, any kind of remittance that they pay, that they need to pay uh, for all the dollars they send back from our economy. So they may work, but those those dollars should stay in our economy. That's a huge transfer of wealth. Whenever they're earning money and sending it back to wherever, South America, Mexico, wherever it goes, that wealth should stay in the United States. So we need to tax that. That will make people self-deport in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So if we tax those dollars that they're sending back through remittance, uh, then they would be, uh, a lot of times they would self-deport. Now, if we need workers in the United States, we can grant work visas. Um, they could be temporary work permits. The United States has a long history of doing this. You don't have to grant citizenship. If there are jobs that there is a need for, whatever it is, I think Americans should do those jobs first, period. But if there is a work demand for our system, then we can grant some kind of temporary work permit and, uh, and, but they don't have to grant citizenship. Plus, we can increase visas. We could do all sorts of things um, for the immigrant for comprehensive immigration reform. But the first thing is secure the border, secure the wall, because we don't we don't control the border. The cartels control the border. Mm -hmm. Criminal elements control the border. All sorts of I mean, human trafficking, sex trafficking, complete misery happens at our border, right. and it's because of our policy. So that's a very long answer, and I apologize. No, that that it's actually it may it's a common sense answer, and I, I I guess the question is, we we are definitely in support of securing the border. Right. We believe that um, that a nation has borders. It seems like you know uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's there's nothing controversial about that, or at least there should not be anything controversial about that. Um, so the question for us is. When we talk about securing the border, we're also talking, or, or illegal immigration, we're talking also about people who overstay their visas. Mm -hmm. So we need to, like, what do you think about people who overstay their visas? But also, you know, recently in the last, I guess, um, two months, months and mm -hmm. a half ago, we saw a, a large number of Haitians that were deported, that were, or take, you know, efficiently scooped up and sent back to Haiti very quickly, very quickly. Many who were, who had not apparently lived in Haiti in like a decade, but they were efficiently moved, returned to Haiti. And our, and so, and as impolitic and politically incorrect as this sounds, we do believe that people who are here illegally should be 
deported. And right. you talk about paying a fine. We think I that agree. they should be deported or removed. Oh, or no, no, I agree. I, I agree. Right. Uh, so, but they should be deported 100%, but they should also pay a fine. <laughs> I mean, they should. we should maximize everything. I mean, we're a nation of laws. So how, we, I guess our question for, with the Haitian question is, and we don't want to, um, how is it that we could efficiently remove Haitians, but the the visa overstayers and the people who cross the southern border illegally are, are, in, are, camps. are, are in camps or return or you know waiting for asylum and all like what what was it why can't why can't we why in your opinion can't we efficiently do that, do that. in other areas uh politics i mean they're they're picking and choosing who they want to deport and who they don't um mm -hmm. look under international law asylum seekers are supposed to claim asylum in the first country past their origin. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure why they deported the Haitians back or deported Haitians back to Haiti that they've been living in Peru or wherever for 10 years. I don't know why they did that. Uh, I know it's just a larger systematic uh, issue with the Biden administration where the rule of law really doesn't matter and they kind of pick and choose what they want to enforce. So I suspect it has something to do with that. It was disheartening, and like Dina said, if if, if we if, think that that immig illegal immigration is illegal immigration, whether you're a Haitian um, who comes for, through Peru, or you're coming through the southern border, or you're a Canadian who comes here on a plane and right. overstays your visa, it's but, illegal, right? Right. So, so that's we 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 want you to understand. We are excited about candidates who are. Um, willing to be ideologically consistent on right. all these things. And I think sometimes we don't get that. So, um, and so I think the, the, the congressional eighth districts in Texas, I think they're going to be getting that from you. So we're excited about that. So, and we're going to be holding your feet to the fire on ideological consistency. We do have a question though, about um, the temperature, the tone in, in Congress right now, you know, we've been in, in DC for 20 years. We are Georgia girls where, um, and we're proud to say that. Um, so, but DC, this region is our home. We recognize that people in DC, like this is not the rest of America. And the way we, um, the way our right. leaders are addressing each other and dealing with problems is so divisive. What can we do or what would you do to lower the tone and get things done? Or maybe you don't, maybe the tone shouldn't be lowered. I don't know. I, how, like, how do you, um, how will you bring um, a breath of fresh air to Texas that's not here in D.C.? Right. Look, I, I offer common sense solutions to complex problems. I, you know, I've been a lawyer for not that everybody likes lawyers. So I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> but I, I've been a rule of law extraordinaire, we'll call it, for the last 14 years. And I, I bring a lot of common sense um, solutions to complex problems. Look, I. I came from a very economic, uh, economically disadvantaged place. I put myself through school. I put myself through college with an athletic scholarship. I put myself through law school. So I know what it's like to scrap from the bottom. Mm. I know that's where I come from. I come from a, a very uh, a blue collar place. I just happened to get lucky and work hard and get to a place where, um, where, where I'm in a position to make change, as, not only as a lawyer, but running for Congress. So I think I can bring those values of hard work, value of a dollar, community service, really a community upbringing and bring common sense solutions to Washington, D.C. that you don't see a lot of nowadays from these hand picked candidates, establishment folks. Plus, being in the military, I worked with people from all over the world. I had part, I worked with partner forces from different cultures and backgrounds. I had as an officer and a leader, 
I had an entire office of people that worked for me as an officer in charge that come from different backgrounds, cultural experiences. So bringing all that together, I think I can bring some common sense solutions to Washington, D.C. And there are things that we can all agree on in the, in the you know, in, with, with the, the subject of your show, just kind of nonpartisan fixed solutions. Veterans, we have homeless veterans all over this country with mental health issues all over this country. We've spent the last 20 years at war. We've taken the America's best and their brightest. We've sent them to combat to, to face some of the most horrific circumstances you could ever imagine. And then when they get back to America, thank you for your service, have a nice day. Mm. They're everywhere. They're on the streets, they're sleeping under bridges, they're in homeless shelters. And we have a duty and a responsibility to take care of these folks. So I think that is something that the Democrats and the Republicans can agree on, I hope to God, to take care of our veterans. We can introduce legislation like that to, to really bridge the gap and get some things done for the American people. So hopefully that answers your question. That well, does. That does. And we, and we believe that we need more people who have actually served mm -hmm. in the military to, to serve in our highest um, um, forms of office. We just, it is to make these decisions and not have been on that side of the, um, of the conversation. Just, it's a little difficult to do, I think. Yeah, we need more people who, who've seen it, who've done it, who, you know, uh, my, my husband is a retired Air Force Colonel, so we um, uh, are hugely in support of supporting our veterans. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, and when you talk about common sense, uh, we say that a lot, and, and that, that's very refreshing. And so and I, I definitely do believe that that's, that's needed here in D.C. So I think the people of Texas will be excited um, as they're going to the polls and, and seeing your name on that ballot. I, I certainly hope so. Uh, I do feel like this was a calling. I don't know, it just struck me like a lightning bolt that I had to do something. It, it was the strangest thing. I mean, I, I'm, per, I'm not, I don't wear religion on my sleeve. Uh, like you see some politicians, but I really believe this was a calling from God to, to do something for our nation. I think we're at a we're, we're at a very important part point in our history where if if we're not careful, just like Dr. Franklin said, Benjamin Franklin said after the Constitutional Convention, uh, it's a republic if you can keep it. And we we have to do everything we can for the rule of law, for our citizens, for the consent of the governed to put the citizen over politics in a lot of ways, and especially over our special interest, big mega donors, and the other folks that seem to just pick candidates. I think we really have to come together and, and tell the professional political class, look, the game is over. That's Let's, right. The game is over. We have China on the rise. We have issues in this country, civil, civil disturbance, Mm -hmm. um, problems in education, homeless veterans, the problems go on and on and on. And we really need to really focus on that for, for a change instead of our own self-interest. Well, we are so excited. We have one, one final, very yeah. important this question. This is the important you. question. This is the important question. <laughs> okay. Everyone wants to know. So when you are sitting around in Texas talking, talking about policy and politics, yes. What do you like to eat and drink? Uh, whatever my wife cooks is I love to eat. <laughs> uh, Good answer. I, I certainly being in Texas, I love sweet tea. So a little bit of sweet is tea. Any is there any other kind of tea? tea? Uh, no, there's not, as far as I'm concerned. I, I question people's judgment when they want unsweet tea, but that's okay. <laughs>
We agree. Uh, but well, uh, I love I love sweet tea and I love anything my wife cooks. Well, we are so thank you so much for joining us today. And we are really excited for you and for for the state of Texas. Um, you are. Yeah, you we'll be to... watching. We'll be watching this race. We Absolutely. know it's a crowded race. Um, there are some people whose names are rising to the top. Yours certainly is one of those. So Absolutely. We, um, well, I really, really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, I'm I'm uh, I was blessed and honored to be on your show. So thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you so much. He is great, Dina. I mean, he really is great. Why, you know me. Why don't why don't why don't we? He's our first candidate that we've ever had on Policy and Pound. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Why don't we endorse people? You know, I don't know. We have we don't have an endorsement policy. We don't. Policy and Pound Cake does not have an official endorsing candidates policy. We really don't. However, if I wasn't on Policy and Pound Cake in your personal capacity, in my personal capacity, that's so that that's it. In your personal, personal capacity, capacity, you can endorse him. Jonathan Houlihan, he gets my vote. Why do you raise your hand like this? <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm being sworn in, but he would get my vote. Okay, so in my personal capacity, yes. I would, Why did you raise your hand? I don't know because you raised your hand. <laughs> so in your in your personal capacity, in my personal capacity, I would endorse him. Yes. Policy and pound okay. cake. Hmm. We don't have a. We don't have a. We don't we're have. Gonna, a, we're gonna. We're gonna have an endorsement on. policy. We're gonna work on our endorsement policy. Right. Because but again, out of my policy and pound cake. You know, out of out of out of basketball affairs, out of policy and pound cake, I endorse Jonathan Hulahan. <laughs> Raising your hand. <laughs> no, we first of all, his service to this nation. Right. That's I it's mean, we need more people. Jag, really? He he was talking about Jag, the movie, but I was thinking the TV show. You know what? As soon as he I said, didn't want to say that, I didn't I either because like, uh, it was a serious conversation. But as soon as he said Jag, all I could see was you know. In the harm, harm, the TV show, the TV show, yeah. yes, and did, harm. And didn't you get a little emotional? I did. Because when when he talked, talked about, about the eighteen year olds, I have a nineteen year old son who'll be twenty in January, and he's speaking truth. And when he talked about those young people standing on that front line with those guns, protecting this country, protecting me, my family, protecting all of us, I did get teary eyed because that you know that is an emotional thing and. That's a choice that they made and they do it willingly and they love this country. And, and we so we need, need to, to love them, them and support them when they come home and support their families while they're away because the, it's a it's a sacrifice for the entire family. Right. You know what I mean? And, so and we need to stop just talking about it. We're gonna we need to do more our veterans this. need our help. Period. And we are gonna Full be stop. Them. They so do. stay tuned. We're gonna be have we're gonna have a veteran support policy as well. As well. So, so. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Policy and Pound Cake.